Hello, my fine is fine, fine 2022 friends. I don't have 2022 friends, believe me. I don't even have two friends. I've got, it is the year 2022, that's what I'm saying. And welcome to the first Rahalasabar of 2022. It sounds like something from the future. It's Chris Lynham, who is a fantastic stand-up comedian and clown. Um, we discuss what he's famous for, but uh, he has done some beautiful shows, fantastic inventive stand-up, been working for almost 50 years. If you're not aware of who he is, you should check him out. He is astonishing. And this is a lovely, frank and open chat with him about his long career. Uh, he's still looking amazing and um, still providing the goods on stage. So do check him out live if you get a chance. Uh, support our Kickstarter, if you will, um, uh, which will allow us to live stream the next series of Leicester Square Theatre gigs. Check out richardtang.com slash gigs to see where Rahalastabra is coming. It's basically London and Leicester and Bristol at the moment, but uh, I'm sure we will branch out, uh, if allowed, to uh, other venues as well. We're going to keep pumping out the shows. Do keep watching and listening. And um, there's some exciting projects coming up in 2022, funded by Sky Potato, funded by the money we've got from advertisements on this show. So do listen to the adverts because by doing so, you will give us money and we will use that money to make more content for you because we're idiots, basically. Other people just keep the money and buy stuff with it. We say, why don't we make some fantastic stuff with that? There'll be news about what we're doing soon. Um, and uh, very much looking forward to a very exciting 2022. I'm telling you, 2022 is going to be the best year you've ever experienced. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Let's sit back, relax, enjoy Rahalastapa with Chris Lynham. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Phoenix. Please welcome a man whose love affair with Barry Manilow has just been rekindled. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. You're much better than last week's audience. Bunch of pricks, those guys. It's 2022, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Let's Start 2022 podcast. Uh, but I was hanging out with Hannah Montana the other day. Uh, she's pretty cool. She calls it Rahalasta Tatapa. Um, Miley Cyrus has never heard of it though. It's weird. It's weird the way that works out. Uh, I've got a good feeling about the year 2022. I think it's going to be a good year. I've said that at the beginning of every podcast for the last five or six years. One year I've got to be right. It's going to be much better than last year, right? Got to be right. Right? <laughs> Not sure. Um, so, uh, hey, look... Um, uh, I, I had my, uh, uh, I went to my, see my oncologist. I've got an oncologist, yeah, because I'm pretty cool. Uh, and uh, every, I'm all good, so everything's all right. So are the, all the cancer's gone away, so that's good. Uh, uh, and uh, I tweeted that that makes me immortal now, and the, the Metro reported that as fact. So that is, so now that is Richard Herring now immortal, it says. It's a headline, so I think that that has got to be the case. So that's, that's good news. Uh, and so I've gone from when I thought I was going to die, I sort of thought I'd better seize the day and make the most of every moment. Now, yeah, I've probably got another 15 years in me, so... Just been playing video games with my phone most of the time now, and... Uh, I just go back to the way it was. I haven't learnt a thing. Um, so hopefully it should be all right. I've got to drink more water, which I... That is... Yeah, I'd rather... I'd, I genuinely said I'd, I said I'd rather die, and I've done it for four days, and I would rather... Because you just need to go to the... You've got to drink three pints of water a day. Just go, you need to go to the toilet all the time. I've got to drive home after this. Bloody hell, it's awful. Uh, so don't, never get ill. But stay healthy, be good. I, I, I ran my half marathon. I ran it in one hour, 55 minutes and one second. Um, it would have been, uh, would have been under the sub 155, but my, my son was at the side of the road. Was when they came to cheer me along. And I grabbed him and picked him up and pretended I was going to run the whole half marathon with him. It's about, this is about, I was really full of energy. This is about six kilometers in. I was feeling brilliant. I was going really fast. 
And then my ear pods fell out and then they went under a car and I had to try and find... <laughs> so that would have been... It would have been a what, sub 155 if it wasn't for that. I don't know if that sort of happens to many marathon runners trying to carry a child. Well, thank you to everyone who uh, supported that. And, and, and also, if you bought the um, live stream to the... Uh, last series well this is still this series but the rest of the square theater podcast that that money is going to the museum of comedy and also to uh, the charity a charity based uh with the doc- my oncologist trying to stop people getting cancer is probably quite a good cause isn't it you know but then how, how are they going to write books and shows about it if they don't get it <laughs> think of the comedians doctors and please do not do not, do not cure us Curious enough that we can stay alive, but don't don't stop us getting the diseases. I'd have no, I'd have I'd have nothing to write about. Seriously, I'm doing it. It's the part of my sitcom. I've uh, I've uh, I've talked about it a lot on here. Obviously, I'm doing a podcast about it. I'm writing a book about it. I'll probably do a stand-up show about it. It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I made a, I made a puppet, and I've got a puppet of my ball. Big time. Best year of my life. So um. Best year I've got in the metro. I'm back. People have to pretend they were sad that I was ill. It's great. So, my guest this week, I'm going to try and get up on the seat early. Oh. Ah, it spins around at the same time. That's the, I'm not even drunk. Ah. There we go. My guest this week is probably best known for his appearance. I've got to put my glasses on. Uh, on Ulala de Liba Circus. <laughs> I hope we only talk about that for an hour. It's the, ama- <laughs> it's the amazing, absolute legend, ladies and gentlemen. Will you please welcome Chris Lynham? <laughs> Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks. Oh, I have to use it. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not very good at holding mics. No, but that's not something you do in no. your act very much. I'll, no. I walk to them. <laughs> be on a stand. Yeah, well, it's all right. We'll pick you up. We'll pick you up somehow. Hi. It's Chris Lynham. And, like, it's quite unusual. I did, in fact, when you arrived, I didn't recognise you because you know, I'm so, we're so used to seeing you with your magnificent but, hair yeah. shooting up in the air that uh, you can walk around incognito. I can do it quite quickly now if you want to yeah. nip off and do it. <laughs> Maybe as an encore. I thought I've you were going to I've been practising. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember being on uh, Ooh La La de, Li- de-, de Liba Circus? Ah, yeah, it was a really nice gig. Was it? <laughs> Was it in? I hope it was in Germany. No, well, it could have been in France. Oh, Switzerland. It's, um, it's, it's run by um, the Circus Knielot, which right. is they're one of the bigger circuses in Europe. And um, the son said had said to the father, who's Rolf, is really old school circus, and uh, you have to have the jugglers and all the horses and all that shizzle. And um, he's gone. I, I, I want to do a, a sexy circus. And so the dad's gone. <laughs> All right, well, because I got loads of tents. So like, oh, can I have a tent to do a circus? That's rich people, while they're swanning around in their place in Marbella. <laughs> Let's do a sexy circus. All right, well, you take the white tent. All right. Oh, yeah, we'll put frills and pink and shit in it and champagne. Yeah, that's it, we'll have champagne. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a tits and bum circus yeah. with. Uh, <laughs> And they, you of... were in it, which is a compliment, then. <laughs> uh, can I go in the sexy circus? That's his only right, Chris. <laughs> did you? Were you in? Were you invited, or did you just sneak in because you heard it was sexy? No, no. no. <laughs> no I got, and, and the good thing about the Swiss is they pay you shed loads of money and give you chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Well, look, Chris. Not everyone. Not everyone will necessarily know your name. Now, I think a lot of people will have. Be aware of you and have seen you and, and yeah no that's the um, the unfortunate thing and why I'm not getting so many gigs is because um, I phone up go hi it's Chris Lynham here can I get a gig and I go no no but if I phoned up and said I'm the bloke that sticks a firework up my ass going to go oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they don't remember shit it is it, I mean, it's sort of bizarre because it's it's great <laughs> to have something that everyone I mean you will always be remembered for this the, the ending. Ending your stand-up set with a Roman candle up your bum, singing "No Business Like Show Business." It's, it's an amazing, <laughs> and it has to be seen to be believed. Well, but there's, apparently there's, someone's got to do it, Richard. 
that's, and you must have been annoyed when that bloke in the that hooligan in the World Cup stole your act. Did you see the the, the fan on the? No, not at all. Yeah, it was completely different. There was a flare for a start, <laughs> and and. I mean, did you see that? Have you seen my ass compared to that? I mean, I've still, at my age, got a pert little fucking you cute ass. It's like it's like a Nethus from Aunt Abra, <laughs> don't it? Although, just talking about that, because we may as well talk. We won't talk about banging up the bum for an hour. But the the one one of my favourite stories about it is um, greatest show on legs in Edinburgh one year, and. Um, we used to do the National Front can-can, which was... But we had fishnet stockings, army boots, and kind of... What are they called? Fishnetty kind of oh, yeah. camouflage things. And, you know, a bit, a bit of a hint of camouflage and, and can-cans. Yeah. Malcolm can't dance, of course. Martin, not a bad dancer. Anyway, this, about two weeks into the run, I jumped up. And landed in the splits. Right. And the you know, the music was playing loud. It was in the big room at the Gilded Balloon, and there was this deafening rip. <laughs> My fucking hamstring going. Oh God. And boy, I didn't move. I just stayed on the floor and delivered "Wonderful World," which is a song I sing. <laughs> and Malcolm comes on stark bollock naked to it with a pint of beer and his fucking newspaper and sits there and reads it. And I want a wonderful world. You know. It's, I mean, it's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing is bang up the bum. I wasn't going to get up for it. Malcolm goes, I'll do it. <laughs> Fuck. But he thought he actually thought that you had to stick it right up your ass. And I, <laughs> in those days, I was using the cheap Chinese versions, who only cost three quid or something for five. But the trouble with them was half of them thought they were bombs, not fucking fountains. <laughs> so. I'd had a few accidents and obviously made, you know, adjustments to the, how they were held in leather fucking pouches. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd lose the pouch and then, oh, just a bit of gaffer tape and then, oh, bang, oh, fuck. You know, so anyway, Malcolm's doing it. First I go, no, Malcolm, don't stick it up because if it blows up, that you're dead. <laughs> but his ass was one of those, like the, the bloke in the World Cup thing. Or, Flabby and fucking boils all over it. I mean, it was, oh, I was disgusting. So, <laughs> the picture was me sitting on the huge stage in front of 400 people, hold, clenching Malcolm's spotty boil <laughs> bottom with this fucking firework going, no! <laughs> but I thought I'd get that off my chest. <laughs> Well, it's you know, it's great in a way to have something that you are remembered for, but it kind of and also overshadows everything else that you know. It, it, sure. it, you know I, I think I don't think it's particularly funny. I think it's a, <laughs> a fucking sensationalist waste of fucking time, really. <laughs> well, you've been, you know, but I saw you know I think we gigged together. It must be about ten or fifteen years ago because because we were up in Chiswick and I haven't played that venue for a while. And you so you're you're doing. What's fascinating now, and I want to talk to you about how everything began and, and the eighties and everything. But you, you, you've stayed for you to be doing your avant-garde performance theatre sort of mime clowning in a stand-up setting. And I'm guessing in the eighties it, it sort of fitted in more, more with what yeah, everyone yeah. was doing. The bills but in used a sense, to be a lot more varied. Didn't yeah, they? it was. Yeah. But it was a, now it's not varied, and that's no. a terrible thing in, in, in most ways. But it's. But it's. It's sort of so wonderful to see this and for it to work, you know, and for people not to go, what's going on? What's this guy? Why? You're actually kind of taking physical theatre to comedy clubs to people who would never go and see stuff like that and, and wowing this audience with this. It's, it's very funny, but it's this impressive... Well, I forced them to laugh. <laughs> I fucking hit them or bring you up did. my gun. <laughs> <laughs> So its roots are in in clowning and and street theatre. So you you started very. So you grew up in Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, yeah. born and grew up there. Yeah, mm. and um and you and as a fourteen year old, you sort of got into into. Oh yeah, oh, you've read that bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I got a job as a, a when I was thirteen, school holidays, yeah. selling cokes at a Luna Park, which was for a two week thing at a, the Salisbury Show. It was called then. Right, Harare. It is now. And um, the next year I went back and to do the same thing and happened to be in the right time and place for 
two R, to meet two RAF guys who came in to do a Raja act. Right. That they did fakir kind of stuff. Right. Sticking nails up your nose, swallowing swords, blowing fire, lying on beds of nails, walking up razor blade ladders and shit. Right. And um, they needed an assistant. Oh, yes, I'll do that. Wow. <laughs> so I learned all that stuff. Yeah. And one little sidetrack story. was uh, I was doing most of the afternoon shows and the, uh, one, the one point was they'd get somebody up out the audience to come and stand on you while you're on the bed of nails. So this was me. <laughs> so... That, and they, who wants to come and stand on the bloke? And it's, it was mostly African people, and you know the independence hadn't happened. So uh, although there wasn't apartheid then, there, there was a bit of kind of social apartheid really. Not with me, but that's another story. Um, so <laughs> you call these people out. Who wants to come up? Oh yeah, Fred wants to come up. So Fred comes up, and but he's helped up. And it's only when he's standing on top of him when you realise how pissed he is. And he's going, <laughs> he doesn't fucking know where he is. He's standing there going, ah, I'm on stage. And then he looks down and sees a white guy and he goes, bang! <laughs> 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 he jumped on me. Wow. They had to peel me off this bloody... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I did two weeks of that. Yeah. And then... <laughs> We're in hospital for the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing more. I was a hippie. So I just yeah. got on with being that, you know, dropping out of school and all that. Started traveling at 15, left home in school. And two years in Southern Africa. And then they wanted me to join the army and everything. I went, mm, busy. <laughs> so I came out to, came to England on right. a boat. And it wasn't until I was 20 that I woke up one morning and said, mm, I want to be a clown. Right. And I did it. Yeah. What was and so what was it that made you make? Because that's an odd decision to make at twenty. Maybe it isn't, but it's an unusual. You know, it's not a decision that everyone makes. So what was it that what appealed to you about clowning at, at the age of twenty? What was? I must have taken the clown pill the night before. <laughs> <laughs> because someone slipped me the clown pill. <laughs> <laughs> because through that decision, I don't know where you're taking the beginning of your career from, but you've been. You know, you, you told me you're approaching. 50 years in tw next year, 2023, you'll be, you'll be 50, 50 years in show business. Yeah. So, uh oh, they can work out my age. <laughs> well, it seems impossible because you look, you don't look like you're, you know, there's 50 it's years. 68. There. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I know, but it's still a cute ass. <laughs> you're, you're in very, very, very good shape, I have to say. So uh, that's, that, that's, uh, that's amazing. I'd, well, I, 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 I saw another interview you say because you worked as in, in the, uh, the electricity, you worked on some electricity meters, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that was actually the decision yeah. that um, made me leave the country as well as the call-up. It all happened in one week. So in, in Rhodesia, Zimbabwe it's called now, you couldn't get a job anywhere except on the railways. I'd done that. That's another story. Um, with long hair. Right. Um, so I'd, done, I'd got this short wig. And, <laughs> and got a job as an electricity meter reader, which I thought, oh, that, it's a great job. You get, it's like four days of training, and then you get put on a scooter and you drive around all these little farms and read people's meters and, you know, husbands at work, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I got to read your meter. <laughs> little girl. <laughs> and, uh, but, it was November and it's really hot out there in November. So I'd do eight hours of this job and come out and rush around the corner and rip this wig off and undo the pins and everything, shake my hair out. Because it was itchy. It's really, you know, if you've got a wig on for that much time, really, and, and the heat. So um, on the second day, I lost the wig on the bus. <laughs> I mean, not on purpose, but I couldn't find, a, you know, find another wig before tomorrow morning. Mm -mm. So I walked in, the guy couldn't believe it, that he'd been duped. Yeah. Get out and don't come back unless you've got a haircut, eh? <laughs> so that's when I went straight to Thomas Cook and said, what have you got soonest, cheapest going to UK? I had four days to get to Cape Town. So the, the real, the real prejudice in Rhodesia at the time was between the short head and long head. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make a, a, it's a film about a man who wears short hair, gets discovered. Let's film in it. There's, there's one other story about that, <laughs> yeah. about that period. Um, but prior to that, 
I'd had a job. In fact, I think the first job after school, maybe not, but soon after, because my father was a civil servant, he, he blagged me a job as a customs agent, okay. trainee customs agent. Oh, fuck it, all right, I'll do this. And um, so, are you allowed to swear? Yes, of course oh, you are. I'm, I'm trying not to, because I don't think it's very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it's coarse, really, isn't it? It is coarse. <laughs> Uncalled for. <laughs> anyway, so I'm a customs, a, pre, a, a, a trainee customs agent. <laughs> customs officer, that's it, not agent. Customs officer. So, um, same thing, training. And then I, I was only in it for a month, and they said, uh, it's time to get the haircut there. I went, uh, can't. And so I left. <laughs> and went to Durban, which is a great city, and they have this um, long story. There's lots of stories about going to Durban, but one of the things about that city is they have um, some really good marijuana. It's called Durban Poison. Okay. <laughs> Comes in these... It's, really, um, it's not like the skunk stuff that they have now, but, you know, good, a good high it was. So <laughs> I, I thought I'd go home. And I had a backpack and I just filled it with Durban poison and put a <laughs> pair of jeans and a T-shirt on top of it and sort of hope. And, I mean, getting caught with dope in those days was, like, serious. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, for that, it would have been, like, 10 years in prison or something. Right. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, when I got to the border, you know, a bit nervous, backpack in the car and hitchhiking. So came into the South African side, was easy to get through, the Zimbabwean side... Um, hey, Phil, how you doing? <laughs> Boom. And it was the guys I was on the training course with. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought, oh, this is a good little ruse. And I was back and forth quite a few times. <laughs> and they used to take me into the back. Hey, come and see. Look what we've confiscated here. Look, we've got these televisions. <laughs> so, so did the, did, was the, cl the clowning... Led to street theatre before, yeah, before the Yeah, okay, so when I decided to become a clown, I looked around what you could, who, what, you know, how do you do that? Yeah. And at that time, the only thing on offer was Lecoq School in Paris. Right. Which I applied for and got one of the 80 places out of 3,000 applicants. Yeah. But with the acceptance came the demand for the first year's fees was 2,000 francs, which was quite a lot of money. That was 73. Yeah. And so I spent a month trying to get it and I couldn't, so I just no, sod it. And at the Oval House, there were some tumbling workshops. So I started doing those. And I just went on the street and pulled yeah. the stuff from my little stint at, at the Lunar Park right. when I was 14. So, <laughs> you know, I was doing a, a comic version of that. Yeah. And, yeah. So how did, it, how did that, was it, did you meet Malcolm and then get into stand-up or did you meet Malcolm? No, no, much later. Yeah. So that was 73. I met them in about 75 or right. 6. Uh, there used to be some great festivals yeah. um, in the early days, 70s, um, in Suffolk and Wales and, um, not, sorry, not Wales, uh, what's that place? Devon. Yeah, it's, like, it's similar. It's like, it's <laughs> close, isn't it? It is close. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I saw them at w one of the festivals and I just went, oh man, I want to... And it, I didn't work for them for with them for right. about another twenty years, but we pe right. became good friends. Yeah, and um, yeah, Malcolm was quite a character, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, yeah. I sort of, you know, I had. I don't think he particularly liked me, but he, he was. He was got him. He was. He had a sort of meanness to him behind the the comedy as well. I think that he was. If he didn't like you, exactly. Yeah. But but even if he didn't like you, if you asked him for ten quid, he'd give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I if mean, he had it, which yeah. was unlikely, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did gigs for him, and it was, you know, it was an experience. But the, what, the but tunnel? Bit, did you play I didn't the do the, I never did the tunnel. Oh, I, was, I was in the early days yeah. of Up the Creek, but it was, um, Stu, Stu did the tunnel. It was, we just started at that, at that sort of late 80s. So we, oh, yeah. So we, because there, it felt like in the, so when we started in the late 80s, early 90s, there were still a few acts, 80s acts on the circuit. Yeah. And there were some, there were some peculiar acts like the Iceman and oh yeah, the woman who, I can remember the woman who had a, a vagina that she when oh sing. she was a member of the audience the yeah. fanny farter yeah that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got called out yeah. you know <laughs> the, the the thing about the tunnel was it was run by the audience it was all the Elton crowd and they'd boo you off and then boo you back on it happened to 
<laughs> it happened to um, KJB. These, um, the, they used to be the Cray Sisters with Denise Black and the Cray Sisters. Right. And um, they got booed off. <laughs> and then they got they literally got booed back on and they said, oh man, they went through that last song so fast. <laughs> <laughs> so so that what because I feel like, you know, we I don't know if it's a, a mythology of what the the stand-up scene was like in the eighties, but um it feel it feels to me like it was a lot of crazy stuff going on or was that just in it was that just in the kind of in Malcolm's sort of group no no I think it no I think it was across the board and I think it was because that there weren't there probably weren't enough stand-ups to fill four acts on a bill but what there was was a juggler and a magician and a a duo doing comic songs or you know I mean I I remember working at the Earth Exchange with French and Saunders when they were starting out you know and so there would be that double act and just a lot more kind of inventive. Sorry, inventive is not the right word. More off the wall kind of stuff yeah. was happening. You know, well, I think people... it was inventive. You know, because I, the nineties the it became. I found it very boring the stand-up circuit in the nineties, in that it was a lot of men telling a lot of very similar, you know, very similar acts, and it was all stand-up. And I kind of thought, this isn't what I. This wasn't what I read about in uh, "Didn't You Kill My Mother-in-Law" or whatever of the books that I that I'd read about. You know, that it felt like a lot of people doing quite formulaic gags, mm. and then occasionally someone coming in with something crazy like you, um, and uh, you know, but but also people who, but also more mad people who weren't, you know, didn't have a didn't have an act necessarily. They just had a, they had a peculiarity or a, yeah. <laughs> whereas your you know your stuff's always been so inventive and using those those street theatre and clowning traditions to well, create. That's what I told you, Richard. You just need a hat to hit them with and a fucking gun to make sure they laugh. <laughs> but, you know, you've you can be me. <laughs> Well, you've, you're very. It's the, it, how much improv was? I know you do some Im- improvisation in your shows now. Was it was was the was your set when you were doing stuff in at that time? Was it was it improvised or was it all very? very no, kind of I out? mean all of the stuff came out. I mean, you know, when I look at some of the sketches, I go, how how do you you don't? I didn't never wrote a sketch no. ever, so it would something would grow and. I suspect a lot of it came from street performing because if you're if you're playing the street, you're working off the moment, you know. And, yeah. You know, a bag floated down in front of my show once. It's one of my favorite sketches now. You know, the bag yeah. attacks me and then attacks the people and then, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I I think I still improvise quite a bit. I, I would say forty percent of the yeah. shows is like turn left, go straight. Right, ooh, okay, back on the track. Yeah. And did did with audiences has has ever is it as times progressed has there ever been a stretch for the audience to to go from stand up to to seeing you certainly when I saw you they were way, and I did a couple of nights together and they were way behind you and it was phenomenal. I think so long as I'm not put on first yeah. in the, on a bill yeah. because the, if you put someone like me on first it's like I don't do well. Right. <laughs> um, because then people need a drink, or, or uh, actually, I can go on. F- I can go on first if somebody like Arthur Smith's comparing, or someone with, you know, yeah. a competent compare who can really build the audience up. Or otherwise, I need a couple of acts so that their laugh laugh bones have kind of warmed up a bit. Yeah. Because sometimes being hit with my surrealism is just like, well, don't get it. <laughs> well, and and it's it's that first couple of minutes that for someone like me if if i catch them then and they'll go with it and then it, it, you know it's a roller coaster did yeah. you feel did you feel the change did the change happen gradually from the sort of 80s to the 90s to what we have now or did you did you notice a, a, a sort of shift in yeah the way no, it was it was quite gradual in the early 90s to the extent where in 95 i just went oh, sorry i'm going i'd bought a piece of rainforest in zimbabwe 20, 30 years before, and right. I escaped and restored the rainforest and built a five-story log cabin in the right. middle of nowhere. Which not many acts do that either. So that's <laughs> <laughs> you're very <laughs> really. <laughs> very you surprised me. <laughs> or would be capable of doing that. I have to say. Uh, and and the history of that is this most beautiful paradisic piece of work, the planet that I've ever been to. 
um, uh, got squatted and destroyed by the Mugabe takeover. Oh. And it's now a blind, uh, the last piece of lowland rainforest in the world is now a banana plantation on slopes you can't even walk up and all the rivers pristine water. We used to say, oh my God, this water tastes like gold. We had springs coming up there. That, that 60 miles to the nearest phone. Yeah. For that, it's only two hours to drive that. And um, th you can't drink any water there now because they discovered 98% pure gold in 2003. So the whole area is just like, oh my God. So did you lose that, that land? Was it, was it On taken paper, from you? no. No, still yours. But it's been squatted and destroyed. Right. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I've lost it. Right. I keep thinking I'll win the pools. <laughs> that, they don't call them that anymore. <laughs> well, I think they still <laughs> do call the pools the pools. But the lottery is probably yeah, a better yeah. bet. If you want to win a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm going to say it's a better bet. It isn't. It's very, very unlikely you'll win. It's like a lottery, to be honest. But it's... Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, if I did, I'd, I'd buy an army and go and take my farm back. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was so beautiful. I promise you, if you saw this place... Listen, it was on the Mozambique border with Zimbabwe and that tiny little hook, bottom bit. To, um, and two of the bordering borders of the, the property, 1,500 hectares, two of the, the borders were... An, onto a national park which stretched for hundreds of miles yeah. and into Mozambique. You could you can go for like two week walks there and not see anyone. Right. And w another border was forestry because there was nothing around there. It was just so remote. One waterfall was 200 foot. I mean, it was just so paradisically idyllic. It was, ah, it, it was like dream stuff, you know. Sure. And then you go and see it now and it's like, ah. Enough to make anyone want to buy an army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, it's the it's the world, and it's the whole world. Is this is is that, that sort of thing's happening to? It's it's very indicative of the, what's happening in the world. But that's yeah, very tragic. You uh, you also worked with uh, Ken Campbell. Was that was that? Oh, I'm so glad you talked about him. Well, he's I one think of my, he I love was Ken Campbell. He's one of my absolute heroes. A big pun. He's one of my absolute heroes, Ken. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I think he's, uh, um, there's not enough been said. He's really unsung, yeah. you yeah. know. Why he didn't get the national job, I just don't know, because I think he was one of the most innovative directors and writers, really. That, yeah. that trilogy that he did was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and The Warp, we did that. That was a 24-hour long play about a poet's life covering 58 to 78. So it was the whole beat generation and jazz and Krishnamurti and... Gurdjieff and Uspensky and I mean it just was it's the longest part I think I think it's still is the longest part Russell was on stage for all but 10 minutes of it right 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is it was really good yeah it really was good I mean, the cast was phenomenal Dave Rappaport was in it Richard yeah. Pope um, ah, loads of people have gone and Bill Nye all those lovely people, all the lovies were in it. You know. <laughs> What's the rehearsal process? Was it was it was that it was scripted right though? Yes. Yeah. So you, yeah. you had to, they wrote it in two weeks. Right. How 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 did you rehearse a twenty four hour play? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, the rehearsal rooms were. I think they still go the Bubble Theatre. Okay. Up in Chalk Farm, they had their rehearsal rooms, and it was a space of probably this kind of size but little rooms chopped up a bit but um made out of corrugated iron and bits of wood and you know it was really a mishmash of um architectural styles yeah but really sh a shack sure and so it was freezing cold we rehearsed with our in winter <laughs> and the, uh, the reason i'm describing a bit of it to you now is because um he was directing Russell to uh, Neil Oren was, uh, I think he still is, very big man and raw energy and the you know how poets are full of that uh, the passion of a po everything's a fucking poem. So <laughs> <laughs> Russell wasn't getting it properly. Uh, Ken goes, right, Russell, <laughs> get outside and put some fucking snow in your boots. And then come back in here and do it again. So you can feel the fucking sweat in your feet. You know, he did. He had to go outside and put, fill his boots with snow. 
and carry on rehearsing. <laughs> so, uh, okay, um, it was written in ten play sections that all linked on, so it was yeah. chronological. And so we rehearsed one play at a time, and then we played it at the ICA, and we did ten days of one play a day. Okay. They were only a, a, an hour long or something, or an hour and a bit. I, I suppose there must be more. I can't do yeah, the sums. I mean, they're probably two, two hours and a bit. Were they? Yeah. <laughs> 2.4 hours. <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they were a bit. <laughs> we did one play at a time yeah. and they went on for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a break for a, a day, I think, and then we did um, half of it one day and then a day's break and then the other half. And then we did five shows of the whole thing. Yeah. Did people stay through all, yeah. all through? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was because we had quite a lot of stages. There, um, rather than changing, you know, one stage there and the actors move and the set change, we moved the st the audience moved around to go. Oh, let's go there. We'll go there. Uh, um, but halfway through, they had to go to India, so we went off to a park. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's well, you know. I find all this stuff fascinating, and I find the what who would, who were your favourite acts of the of the eighties that were working alongside you on the on the stand up scene? Do you remember who do, who do you look back and remember? Wow, that's a tough question. But um, only because I haven't got much memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, there's yeah. The... I mean, that's the problem with your generation, is that. You know, if you remember it, you weren't there, isn't it? It really is. It's, it's, it, uh, me not taking cocaine till I was 36. I was. I can. Re I can remember everything in painful detail. I can't. Remember. No, I mean, yeah, greatest show on legs. Obviously, though. Yeah. Uh, was so how did you attractive. get into? So you were. You weren't in the first. You were. You came into. No, that no, in I the, came into. Into the. No, there the, were many the, iterations. Of I that. think the third person in the greatest show on legs was always random. Right. You know, the, uh, lots of people say, oh, yeah, I was in Grosjean Lake. But they, they were only ever the third person. I did two years of it. Because when it, the first time, if they didn't have three, but, but often it would be Malcolm and Martin would go off on a gig and they'd want someone else for the balloon dance, for the sword dance, and a couple of the sketches needed three people. Yeah. And they'd just pick someone up out the bar. <laughs> so, right, uh, what do you go? <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll be naked, right? And there's these three... <laughs> you'll have three balloons. <laughs> and it literally would do that. Yeah. Rehearse complete strangers into that. Ah, um, uh, yeah, no. The, the, um, Linda Smith, she was fabulous. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, God, yeah. I'm just thinking of the dead people. Yeah, oh we're all the, all dead. Martin's still alive. Martin's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, it's yeah, uh, Martin. Is, but he doesn't gig very often, though, does he? No. Um, but but you know, but that's what's interesting in, in that you you're the you know you I don't know how much uh, you do, oh shit I don't know how much I've, I've fallen off the chair. Do you want a hand? Uh, no, I'm all right. I don't know how much. <laughs> I don't know how much you're actually gigging like in stand-up clubs now, but you're the you're the almost the su the, the survivor of that time, right? I don't, there's, oh my there's, god, really? Well, it's still in terms of still being out there and doing it, because either people, I guess, became like big big stars and yeah, that, and don't yeah. do the stand-up circuit anymore, or you know, or are, de <laughs> are dead, dead or, or gave in, up, or yeah. in, a, in a mental hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I want, to get some, <laughs> I want to get some real money now. I'm going into finance. Now. <laughs> but what I, you know, what I, I mean, you are very well respected within within the within the industry, and and what not, I love about not by promoters though, Richard. No, well, but that's why <laughs> that's why you are because you've. But I, so I was saying this before we we came on, and it is one of those things where you've you've got this. You know, I think your act was was so much more imaginative and involved and and clever than a, a lot of people's at the time. And it could you could have you know something could have happened and you could have been picked up and it could have been massive. But well, I think you know the only thing that was making people work that uh, and this is what irked me and made me give up the, the business in the, in mid nineties was because early on in the nineties, uh, you know, the comedies, the new rock and roll shizzle was all yeah. going on. And if you weren't working for Avalon or Off the Curb, you weren't getting the decent gigs anymore. Sure. You know, those guys were running the show. And so, yeah, they would pick up. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but I think mostly mediocre acts and mm -hmm. turning them into superstars, yeah. really. Yeah, but not that sometimes mediocre acts not turning them into uh, superstars. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, 
obviously some people stand out and manage to carve their own little fucking niche. <laughs> but, but it's... Okay, where's my foot? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, I agree. No, but I do agree with you. And, it, you know, and, and it lost... And comedy lost that... You know, it was, it was so, so anarchic, but then, it, but then you're still doing it. But also, what you did, by going your own way and not going, not going, I'm going to be tempted by that or I, can't, I don't fit into that, the stuff you're doing now, as well as doing the stand-up, is, is your own shows and your own much more involved shows. And I, I, haven't, I, I, I saw uh, the uh, Eric the Fred the Clown show. You, you've, got oh. a, you've got a nice clip of it on your site. I haven't seen the whole show, though. I really want to. But it looks, just from that 10-minute clip, it looks like the most, it's, it's beautiful, it's poignant, it's sort of like a silent film mixed with a surrealist film. So you, you've got your, yourself as a, uh, on a screen dancing alongside yourself in reality and, and mm, it's, no. it's, it's, be, it's really beautiful. No, but you know, and it's a piece of art and mm. you know, you, we may, you know, what other comedians have arrived at, arrived at that, you know, but by, by, by going your own way, that's, you've, you're creating this, much more kind of artistically interesting and still amazingly funny and amazingly watchable stuff. Mm, yeah, I think that's my favourite piece, actually, of, of my... Well, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it was written with the idea of, OK, this is going to... This is my successful bit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that up. <laughs> because why? There's no agent who wants to take it on. <laughs> you know, if you haven't got those people selling it... Uh, no, that's unfair. You know, we were lucky that um, Joseph Selig and Helen Lanigan from the London Mind Festival picked it up for... Yeah. They com kind of commissioned it. Um, and on the back of having played at the London Mind Festival, it got some decent gigs, you know, to sure. Korea and Finland and over Europe and we've been to Africa. You know, we've, we've travelled quite a lot with it and put it on. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a one-man show and I've got five technicians... Yeah. putting it on <laughs> so it's quite complicated and i need eight meters height for it yeah because you need that much to hang yourself <laughs> <laughs> but i know i just uh, as i was saying last week to margaret it's not necessarily it's it's about the people who have seen it. it's about the you know i think even from just seeing the video of it and i really want to if you do it again let me know because i'm going to come and see it um it's it's you know, it's creating that moment. Because we were talking on uh, Facebook about you doing the Slapstick Festival. Do you get the Slapstick Festival might put it on in Bristol? I, I, I approached them a couple of years ago yeah. and they were kind of... Because uh, you're quite involved. Are you involved I can, with well, that? I've, been, I've done quite a lot with this. I'll, I'll talk to them about it again because I, I think I did well, mention... Well, funny enough, I just I played in Bath recently yeah. and both the Bath Festival and the Bristol Festival people were there. And they so there, there's a hint of it maybe being... Um, dusted off. Yeah, for, good. Because it's got, you know, it's it's got. It's quite the, a special piece. Yeah, actually. and there's yeah. there's silent, white face, me. I don't say a word. And one of the ruses. No, we came up with three ruses to make it successful. Don't let him go in the audience. So <laughs> can't hit anyone. <laughs> um, so we've got that's where the gauze is, and we show. So we do projections on it, and I yeah. play with the film. And they're very, um, it's kind of George Melia's style film stuff yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. A lot probably. of kind of sweet little animation bits. Yeah. Ah, it's a great story. Well, great story. I think maybe why it's not successful is I spend an hour trying to kill myself. And <laughs> what age limit is this? I'm going, yeah. <laughs> but it's sort of the magic in it and the, you know, the, the interaction with the, the, the video. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's you, you know, and this is why... It, you know, I, I, it, I know it does matter that if you're getting paid and, and you're famous and all those sort of things that are nice, but if you're creating great work and interesting work, and you're doing, you mean, there's four or five shows you mentioned in your, in your website, so you're doing a variety show and you, you, you know, you're involved with, with lots of, of, of you're involved with the, the Slava Snow show, mm. which, uh, um, owes a lot to you as well, I think. Uh, the Beast of Theatre, is, is that is that? Yeah, that's, that's mostly more... what I do. That, that's the easiest thing. That comes, yeah. sort of comes out of a suitcase quite yeah. easily. Because is that more the stand-up persona? So the, person, the stand-up persona yeah, is sort that's, of lunatic. Yeah, that's, that's what you've seen. Yeah, the yeah. crazy guy with the hair up. That's, yeah. yeah. But that, I, ne I never got him a, a stage name, so that's who I am, really. Right. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I don't look like him now, so I, 
I, I did create this other um, name that I thought would be successful. Right. But I haven't really exercised it very much. But it's a good name. Max Bobbins is who I am. Okay. <laughs> it's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> Max Bobbins. <laughs> And that came about, I was talking to my partner one morning. And I woke up and I went, do you know what? I've been in this business a long time, 40 years now or something, and it's not working. It's, never, it's not going to work. And I think it's because of the name, Chris Lynham. <laughs> now, I'm going to change my name. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to be called? Uh, Max. Oh, Max Lynham. No, Max Bobbins. <laughs> Boom. So it, just, it came out as an improvised name. <laughs> And it kind of sounds good, so uh, yeah. it might, might be worth pushing. Shall I call you Max Bobbins in there? In this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that'd be confusing? I'll put it at the front of this week, get Max Bobbins. <laughs> well, no, because no, this is talking about old silly bollocks linemen, isn't it? No, but you know, well, I hope that they, those, you, know, you do get to do that show again. I, yeah. I really would love to see it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's. it's do you, I noticed on your website as well, actually, one other thing I wanted to say, that there's a Tony Slattery quote saying he want, he gave up doing stand-up because he saw you. It, 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 do, you do you remember that quote? I, I presume see, because you were so good, rather than he thought, there's no, no point in doing I, comedy if guys like this aren't. I have seen the quote, but have you seen some of the states that man gets into? Because <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think it's bullshit. I think somebody made that up. <laughs> well, it's inter well, look, it is interesting. And obviously you've had a, a past where, you know, you, you come from that generation where you've, you may have taken some drugs in your life. I'm just guessing. There may have, that may have happened. Me? <laughs> Maybe. But you've actually, you know, you said some of those guys, uh, and you, there's a lovely anarchy and craziness to you and, and, you've, and, and you're very different off stage than you are on stage as well. So there's this... You're, you know, the, the character you're on stage is, you, you're, you're projecting this very confident guy and this very brash guy, and, and you're quite a shy man, I think. Is it fair to say? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you're quietly spoken, and you're, but you haven't gone any more mad than you were in the 1980s. No. Whereas I think no, some of those guys um, have gone more mad yeah, than yeah. they were in the 1980s. No, the thing is, with, with the, the Chris Lynham clown is... That it's, I mean, it looks totally out of control and, fuck, oh, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Because there's a lot of aggression in it, you know. I mean, one of my favourite bits is smashing the apples. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, and, but, and it's so unexpected. Yeah. You know, and shooting a, you know, a heckler, boom, with a gun, you know. I mean, that, it's, it's, the audiences get taken aback by that. Yeah. You know? So... I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm just saying you've stayed reasonably sane. Oh, yeah. No, no. So uh, the madness is it looks out of control, yeah. but it's actually quite controlled. And sure. you know, I like just going uh, a bit over the line. Yeah, you know. it does feel as an audience member, and certainly the, the stand-up act feels like. Can we have another? Can we have another drink for Mr. Lyman? for Mr. Bobbins, sorry. for Max Bobbins? Put it on a different tab. Um, <laughs> it does feel. No, it feels there's a. There is a danger, not only a danger of you having an explosion in your bum, but like you, you're going into the audience and you're pulling bras off of, seemingly pulling bras out of women's shirts and... and, and well, they shouldn't wear them. <laughs> and, you know, it feels, and it feels like, you know, that, so, that something could go wrong. You know, it feels perilous. It mm. feels like something could go wrong. Um, do you but think that's, that isn't that that makes that crackle? That's yeah, absolutely. Like, oh. Well, that's because things yeah. are so safe, and especially yeah. now things are so safe. I mean, obviously, yeah. you, I presume you are trying to keep it fairly safe, but uh, but is that? Do you think that's part of the the? I mean, it's part of the success, and it's part of the part of the the problem. Is it? Well, yeah, the I mean, that, exactly. Yeah. you know, because the whole world's got. I mean, somebody posted a picture up on Facebook of a, a sketch that I was doing 10 years ago. And I went, ah, I love that sketch. Can't do it anymore because all the PC bollocks. Right. You know, and although it's not, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't ever kind of cross the boundary of unacceptability or un-PC, it pertains to that in yeah. such a way that people go, the beginning, you know, the setup of it. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I get a woman... I call a woman out of the audience and 
ask, put a nice cushion on the floor and everything and ask her to kneel down. Okay. And that's the bit that people are going, oh. And then can you put your hands like that, you know, hold your hands to make a music stand and now put the music on there and play the song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's a bit of interaction with her. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, the song is Strangers in the Night. Um, uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I love it. It's funny, yeah. you know. But you know the fact that I've got a, a, a female person out of the audience and made them kneel down in front of me. People go, "Oh no, no, you can't do that." Anymore. I mean, maybe, but I, you know, maybe. But it's. I think you know, for mostly, it's it's more like the the physical danger. I was, you know, I think. Oh that, yeah, what hurting people? Well, you know, but like throwing things around, you know, using fire. Okay. <laughs> in a, in a so the only damage I've ever done got me. I did the second Glastonbury Festival and then the next 18. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> and the 18th one, um, I, I did this. I'm going to blow everyone up sketch. So I've got a, a little bomb in my hand. Yeah. Um, with a sparkler thing and burns yeah. down and t talking about if there's anything you want to do for the last 40 seconds of your life, tough shit, because when this goes off, <laughs> boom. And obviously the sparkler goes out and nothing happens. And then I throw the thing away. Last time I go shopping in Tokyo is the line. <laughs> and then boom! And I've usually got a confetti cannon that does the big, huge, large explosion that shoots confetti everywhere. But I hadn't brought it this year. So I just made a paper bag and dangled it about a metre below the tent roof. Anyway, shrapnel blowed a hole in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Mike Horrible, hers brand new tent. Oh, no. <laughs> so Arabella banned me. And um, actually, I did come back before she died. I've done the last five seconds. Because that's a yeah. great festival. I mean, it's yeah. not like it was, but it's still... There's something about that Pilton farm is quite special, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs and ruining a couple of tents. I'm sorry, because this is about me, really, this yeah. show, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm going to tell you this other one, also Glastonbury. So th <laughs> the, there's a sketch called The Betty Beatty School of Better Batter Beating. There's a kind of Fanny Craddock character who teaches, uses the audience as the, the final year of, of learning of a baking school. Sure. So, um, so baking an egg, all this stuff, throwing eggs up in the air, juggling them, flour everywhere, milk. It's quite messy. Yeah. And um, then put the egg in the oven, then get the audience to sing this song. Hey diddly dee, hey diddly dog, one of these day, days I'll be a frog. And the audience go, um quack, um quack, um quack, quack, um quack, um quack. Try it. Um quack, um quack, um quack, quack, um quack, um quack, um quack. It's beautiful. <laughs> and then I go, ooh, I think the cake's just about ready. Do you? Yes. Shall we have a look? Yeah. Now go to the thing and press the button. There's another explosion in there. Again, it might have been the same. No, no, this was previous year. <laughs> but that should be a confetti streamer cartridge which just shoots a little it's like a giant party popper you know it goes hey, boom, and then there's a real cake in there ready made it's funny but this time <laughs> this time and this was a homemade oven with a wooden door and um usually i use a cardboard box and this wooden door blew off because i've made a big charge and there's fucking bomb inside <laughs> and I promise you, the door flew 20 feet right across the front of the stage and whacked a woman on the head. And she went, oh! As you would. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then she, she, she said something and the audience started laughing and, and being on my side, like, ah, that was funny. And I turned it around and went, no, this is dangerous. You don't understand. This could have really hurt her. Look. Bang! And I, and I beat myself to, almost to a pulp with this bloody door <laughs> to show them that it was not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what am I thinking? <laughs> but that's, the, you know, that's the clowning, isn't it? And that's the, the anarchy of the clown and that's the role of the clown, isn't it? To, 
to, to not obey the rules of, of what you're meant to do and to, and to point up. I the, do now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's got to be. I think there's there's edge to stuff, and you can still be you can still be allowed to be edgy, and you can still yeah, yeah, un- allow a bit of sure. risk. And, and I can't do anything else, Richard. You no, know, it's in my blood. Well, know, I think you, you can, but you are an anarchist. But there's a there's the heart of a poet, and it's you know we're trying to describe in audio a thing that's entirely visual, mostly entirely visual. <laughs> so it's we're never going to quite get it. Oh my god, is, it, is this not working? Should it is working. <laughs> But we're never, we're never going to capture the essence of it, of <laughs> why, just, of why it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing as well as a funny thing, you know. And, and that, and it's, it's, you know, it's just lovely when you, when you, when you change an object in, when you use an object for something and it turns into something else, or, mm. you know, like you say, the idea with a bag that's attacking you that's come out of nowhere, and those, it's, it's taking reality and, and finding the comedy in, yeah. in that kind of mundanity. But it's, it's, mm. it's, 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 it's beautiful as well as funny. Well, I've, I've written down here, and I don't, I've written down popcorn. I don't know what that was about. Maybe I just was hungry when I wrote that. Ah, uh, popcorn, popcorn, popcorn Club. Yeah. Ah, yes, of course. So, um, we used to have a, a 10 piece band called the Extravaganzas in the 80s. We started, late 80s. Yeah. Mid 80s, actually. And it was kind of a show band, but, and all the musicians were very competent and all had kind of characters. And, um, so there would be, uh, there was always a, it was a bit like a three ring circus where there was always, always little stories going on in the horn section and between the drummer and, and, and sketches, we'd do sketches and then we'd bring guests on to do a, a spot. And then uh, Jules Holland did a thing called the Jules Holland Extravaganza. Okay. Oh, I know, shit. Another good name bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can't, you know, you can't compete with people like that. Yeah. If you if you suddenly go Chris Lynham and the extravagances and Jules Holland's extravagances, they go, who's extravagant then? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to win, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, so is that so? You, 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 so we changed it to Popcorn Club. Yeah, okay. And uh, it was a similar kind of thing, not as big a band and a few more acts than there were before. Because yeah. the variety is still a big thing, right? There's, there's it's coming back, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. uh, 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 in well, kind of burlesque has moved into. Uh, that's it. But you know, when when we all started back then, there, there weren't burlesque shows. I mean, yeah. there was some stuff going on at Raymond's Review Bar. Yeah. Um, and Madame Jojo's, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't, but I don't think they had people like us on. No. Um, it was mainly. Get your clothes off, Molly. Yeah, I think if you go back to Barry Cryer's time, there was Barry Cryer. There'd be a there'd be a stand-up between the. Oh really? The, well, the girls would do tableau, and I think then Barry Cryer started. This is obviously for a little while back, um, <laughs> uh, where uh, they, the, the stand-up would have the comedian would have to come in in between when the. What a career but, he's had, man! Jeepers. Yeah, but no, wow. he, was, he, did, he was on this recently. He's uh, wow. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, my memory of doing uh, I suppose Eddie Izzard's gig or one of those gigs there is you were you would sh- you'd be sharing the dressing room with the girls who were stripping in the Raymond Review Bar but, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and and then you'd go out a different way. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, different I was stages. I was like twenty one years old and I was going what <laughs> and you know much too young to appreciate it as well. But it was uh, uh, just be, I was just scared. Uh, rightly so. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so there was always there was a, there's always been a little connection between between the but and, and that yeah Madame Jojo's is where there's there's a video of me being heckled at Madame Jojo's uh, that that got millions of views. Um, but it was but that was that was this more they were moving into this more burlesque and mixing mixing in burlesque uh, with sketches and stand up, which was a charming evening until I came on. <laughs> I, well, that's um, what's coming back now. The, yeah. uh, um, um, yeah. the, in fact, I'm doing more of those kind of gigs, you know. Right. Trying to get up on the stand-up circuit is that they, people just don't want it. No. They, they don't want anything that's um, too confrontational and they don't want anything that's maybe going to cause any ripples. And Martin, do you know Martin Moore? Martin Big Pig? Yes, yeah. He's, I mean... It, I'm not sure if I 100% agree with this, but it it kind of makes sense. He says that the promoters don't want people like us because we're we come come in and deliver an eight or a nine or a ten, 
to the audience and they get consistent sixes. And that's what the audience want is that, you know, so if, if, you, if you suddenly give them somebody who's a nine or a 10 and the audience are like, wow, man, did you see that? And they come back. So, I, I mean, I'm not sure if I 100% agree with that, but it is something worth thinking about that, you know, they do want mediocrity, really, well, in a lot of the stand-up world. I, no, I think there's, there's it's, it has, you know, but things become formulaic and things, you know, which, uh, and things become a bit too the same. And, and I think that's, that's the, the issue. And so it should work, you know, and it should, there are lots of clubs and certainly, Again, I'm going back. I'm going back still like ten or fifteen years ago since when I sort of came back to stand up. But there were lots of sort of fringe gigs where people were doing more interesting stuff. It wouldn't necessarily be as extreme or as you know as chaotic or anarchic, but it was it was stuff that you could do outside of the of those main clubs where you just mm. need to be usually at that time a man standing up telling you know very similar jokes to the last yeah. man he was on. And that's a, you know that's a shame for comedy. And I think that's why people of my generation who sort of grew up catching bits of, of, of the 80s and, uh, and the alternative comedy on TV and maybe catching the odd gig here and there. We sort of have this very romantic idea of it being this wonderful time of freedom and liberation. But is that, I think that's probably true, isn't it? And then we came and our generation sort of slowly wiped, up, wiped it off the map, kind of thing, I suppose. So sorry. Just wanted to say no, sorry. I, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's not, not you, part, Richard. It's, it's your no. fucking agent. <laughs> Do you know what? I've tried to contact him for the last 20 years. Well, I've given up now. I haven't for 10 years. But, you know, no return phone calls. Can't get to speak to him. No. Well, same for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, it's, but I think, I think, you know, I think there is, what would, you ide what would you ideally want to happen with the next 20 years of your career? I'm going to give you till, yeah, was it 98, will that be? Or 88? 88. Uh, I think uh, six months will do me. <laughs> pop off. <laughs> but unfortunately, my lifeline goes like... Yeah, I think you're too... Very you far. Know, I'm going to be 120 before I die. So all of you lot will be fucking gone. Yeah, and definitely, I'll, be I'll definitely be gone. <laughs> Barry Cry is fucking outliving me. I can tell you that for sure. Barry, Barry yeah. Cry is speaking at my funeral. That's what I'm, I'm delighted about. <laughs> but... Um, you know, but if you, would you, it sounds like you would like to do those, those theatrical shows. And if I love them, yeah. yeah. And, and I like this, you know, this room we're in now. Yeah. It's, I, I, I played one of the, a similar kind of room on Thursday night and I, just, I love it all. I just love gigging, you know, and yeah. um, I'm, I, because I've learned how to do it somehow, um, audiences mostly like me. Yeah. And laugh a lot. Um, you know, I, um, I get a lot of uh, laughs per minute, actually. And not <laughs> joke laughs. Uh, no. I do a joke sometimes, but um, it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember jokes. <laughs> and I, I don't write them. No. But that's, you know, I think it is special. I hope, you know, I know promoters do listen to this podcast. And I know really? People, yeah, so I think... Oh, you know, I love Avalon. I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, he doesn't. He doesn't listen. Um, he won't. He won't he'll, he'll like that you don't like him. Uh, but, you know, I think there's... You know, you should be at these... People, people should be seeing your stuff. And I know they, you know, and they have been for... For 50 years, people have been seeing your stuff. And it's, it's, um, it's great. And I, but I think that's... I just think that ma those those magical memories you have of performing, the ones you can remember, and the, the but the audiences have seen it because if you've seen you, you won't you won't forget it. You know, no. like forget I don't my know, name. I don't maybe, but I don't know who else was on that night. The last time I saw you in Chiswick, but I you know I can't remember who was on. But I would never you know I wouldn't forget working with you. And it's the same like the guys in the early nineties who were still from that circuit. I would never. I know I probably couldn't tell you half the people I worked with at that time mm. but you know I will never forget those those crazy people doing the crazy yeah John Sparks Donna McPhail yeah yeah some really interesting people yeah actually. so you know and it was and it was it, it was it would I think there's things that are better about comedy now than than, than then but I think the spit the, the heart of it and the spirit of it was what was important but that will that will keep I think that's a revolution that will come around you know I think I think that's Things happen, things get a bit more straight-laced and things get yeah. a bit crazy. Well, let's hope things you're get... right, Richard, because I could do with a little comeback. Yeah. And maybe it's going to be something that happens every 40 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> Last for five. <laughs> 
but that would be okay. But I'm sure, you know, I hope, I hope you get to put the, that, the, the kind of show on again. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, I would definitely come and see it. I'd definitely come and see it if you do. And so should all of you and all of you, more importantly, the people listening, because this isn't a big enough audience. <laughs> <laughs> but the people listening. Um, look, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you and thank you for sharing all of that. It's uh, absolutely terrific. And uh, check out, you've got a website, check out, the, do check out that clip of the show because it's, it's just Eric magical. the Fred. Eric the Fred the is guy. absolutely magical. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the legendary, the amazing, the king of clowns, Chris Lynham, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll be, I don't know when we're back. We're back here in January. Come and see us again in January. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Chris Lynham. Thank you to Scant Regard, who played this fine tune for us every single week. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you to everyone at The Phoenix for having us once again. We are doing some more gigs with them in January, so look out for those, richardherring.com slash gigs. Uh, thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, and all the team at gofasterstripe.com, including George, the competent sound man. More than competent, he's excellent. Come on, it's a new year, a new way of looking at things. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Back our Kickstarter at GoFasterStripe.com slash Rahalastapa. You can give a little, you can give a lot, but if you give some money, you will help us pay to live stream the new series. Go and do it now. GoFasterStripe.com slash Rahalastapa and check out RichardHerring.com slash gigs to find out where you can see me in 2022, if applicable.